Walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the Pecan Podcast. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the PECOM podcast. I'm Pastor Courtney, and I realize I probably shouldn't say good morning. Many of you are probably listening to this in the afternoon or in the evening, so whenever you are tuning in, I am glad to be with you across the miles, across the airwaves. Maybe you're in your home or your car, maybe you're out on a walk. I have been loving walking early in the mornings here. It is that time of year where sometimes it's cloudy in the morning. It seems like we've had a holdover from June gloom. And I know many, many of you don't love that gloom in the morning. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I I grew up in the Midwest where we had a lot more variance in the weather. And there's something about a cloudy morning that makes me feel right at home. So I love a good cloudy morning walk. I love the dew on the grass and a little bit of a chill in the breeze. It is one of my favorite things. So wherever you are listening to this podcast this morning, this afternoon, this evening, welcome. It is good to be with you today. I wanted to share a few things this morning, and then we are going to get into our first Q&A. We've gotten some questions, and I'm going to choose one for this morning's podcast to dig into a little bit. Pastor Jackson is away on vacation, and normally I would have him to talk about this because it's a question uh, related to one of the passages that he preached on. But as he is away, I will do my best. And I really enjoyed the research aspect of this question. So thank you uh, to, to the folks who sent it in. First of all, wanted to invite all of you listening to pray for a specific group of people with me today. Um, I have a dear friend who is an actor, and she has done a lot of theater work. But as we all know, theaters are closed for the most part. Some places are doing creative outdoor theaters, small group theater, Zoom theater. But for the most part, what we know as theater, what we think of as theater, things like Broadway and uh, South Coast Repertory Theater and um, even Pageant of the Masters, things like that, they are shuttered for the time being. And folks who work in the arts are really hurting. And some of that hurt is financial. They've lost a paycheck. They've lost livelihoods. But part of that hurt is just the loss of not being able to perform in the same way. That is such... Um, it's such a gift to, to those who perform. It's something they do because they love it. And so I want us to remember our friends who work in the, in the arts, in the performative arts this morning. And many of those folks are being creative and finding new ways to perform. But there is nothing like a crowded theater on a Saturday night. There, there really isn't. And so um, I'm so proud of how our PCOM musicians and performers have pivoted in this season. But I know they miss seeing all of you. They miss you singing your hearts out in the pews. The loss of being able to sing together 
is great and deep and hard. So I want to lift up our musicians and artists that are connected specifically to PCOM. And as always, I know I'm not going to be able to name everyone. So for those who come to your mind that I'm not listing this morning, would you pray for them and lift them up to the Lord? We want to pray for our musicians at PCOM, for Jean Roberson and Kathy Harris, for Don French. We want to pray for Jeff Given and Daniel Martz and Anna Simon. We want to pray for our, our singers that we often see in the sanctuary services, for Emily and Anders and Jessica and Paul. We want to lift up those who work in the arts behind the scenes at our church, those who help edit our sermon videos and our music so that you all can see them at home. The pastors do very minimal editing. It is not our gift or our strength. So we're so thankful for Tom Lamb and John Lamb and for Jenna Brewer, who make us look uh, more eloquent and put together than than we often are. Thank you to, to everyone on that list and all those who I haven't named for your gifts of singing and worship leadership and drumming and presentation and behind the scenes work. We are thankful for you and praying for you and praying that on the other side of this virus, whenever that may be, that we are able to get together for a big concert once again, that we are able to get together and enjoy theater once again. And we pray especially that the Lord would meet each of these performers and musicians when they have those moments of just deep longing and ache for being together, singing together, worshiping together, leading music together. We pray that God would sustain them and nurture them and be daily bread for them. We have a a sweet family at Lincoln School who early on in this pandemic said, "Are, are you guys available? And we were in the middle of a project, so we couldn't come to the door, but they rang our doorbell and then they dashed away and they left us Krispy Kreme donuts on the front step. And we've called that Ding Dong Donuts. And now it's something that our kids beg to do. We go through the drive through at Krispy Kreme and pick up donuts and we ring a doorbell and leave them for our friends from school or or friends that we miss. And I just want to invite everyone out there into that tradition. Uh, maybe it's not donuts for you. Maybe it's fresh vegetables from your garden or a gift card or just a nice handwritten note. But that's one way we can bless each other in this season. Don't do it to us. The pastors get plenty of love and attention, but think of someone in your sphere who might need a little pick-me-up and ring their doorbell and leave them a potted plant or leave them a card telling them that you love and miss them. It is a safe, contactless way that we can love each other in this season. Join us in our ding-dong donating of, of friends and family members and neighbors. Maybe there's someone just down your street you know is going through a hard time those little pick-me-ups can be so sweet and so easy. And um, if you're feeling like the hours are really just stretching away and they're so long, it's a great way to fill your time. It's a wonderful season where we can write letters, leave notes, and bless each other in a way that is totally contact-free and safe, but can be a lot of fun and a lot of joy. All right, it is time for our first Q&A question. This is related to Jackson's sermon from a couple Sundays ago. He talked about the genealogy of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. And the person wrote, Jackson's account for the lineage of Jesus today got me wanting to connect the dots of Joseph and Mary. The lineage of Joseph is clear. 
However, I could not trace Mary's lineage and connect it to Abraham or David. I asked, I asked my wife and we found references to the Gospel of Luke, but could not quite make the connection. The Old Testament says our Savior will come from the house of David, and we believe Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. I was hoping I could trace Mary's lineage from the house of David. I've read that Jesus was born into the house of David because Joseph was his earthly father, so I'm asking for clarification. Might make for a good podcast. First of all, thank you for this very thoughtful question. And I want to say to anyone listening, your questions don't need to be this this deep. Um, but I love that this one is. This, this threw me into the scriptures and commentaries and biblical history because it is not totally clear upon the first reading of scripture what's going on. There is one genealogy of Jesus given in Matthew chapter one, which is the one Pastor Jackson read. And then there is a second genealogy of Jesus given in Luke chapter three, verses 23 through 38. And both genealogies begin by saying, this is a genealogy of Jesus and a genealogy of Joseph, Jesus' father. And then it goes on to list two fairly different genealogies. Back until the genealogy gets to King David, the names are very, very different. And then from David and back in time, the genealogies are the same. So what's going on with that? And what does it mean that Jesus was said in the prophecies of the Old Testament to need to belong to the house and line of David? The Messiah who was to come had to be from the house and line of David. Why are these two genealogies different? And can we trace Mary from the house and line of David? Because, right, as the person noted, if we believe in the virgin birth, then Joseph was essentially an adoptive father and not a biological one. So what do we do with this? Fabulous question. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous question. So um, if this is not your kind of question, feel free to skip ahead in the podcast. But if it is, take a moment and dig in with me. If you want to pause the podcast and grab a Bible, it might help to have that genealogy in front of you from Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38. So the first answer to the question, why are these two genealogies so different, is that Matthew's genealogy is from Joseph. It's from Joseph's family. It traces Joseph's lineage. And Matthew shares this genealogy in part because he was very, very concerned with the fatherly line. Matthew was written primarily at first to a Jewish audience, and they would have been very concerned with the line of the father. Luke, on the other hand, was concerned with the humanity of Jesus. He wanted to show what his biology had to say. And so Luke's genealogy is the story of Mary's genealogy. But here is where people get tripped up because Luke chapter 3, I'm turning in my Bible. We are learning Spanish, trying to learn Spanish alongside our son Lincoln, who's in a Spanish immersion program at school. And so I have a Spanish uh, interlinear Bible right here in front of me. So it's Luke or Lucas, depending on what I will read it in English because my Spanish is still pretty terrible. So here it is from Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, son of Heli, son of Mathat, son of Levi. And then it goes on from there. So son of Joseph, son of Heli. This sounds like Joseph's genealogy, doesn't it? Here is the conundrum that the author of Luke's gospel faced. 
genealogies were traced through the paternal line. So who was your dad? Who was your dad's dad? Who was your father's 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 father's? That is how it was traced. But here's his conundrum. Mary is Jesus' mother. And if we believe the account of the Gospels, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So God is quite literally Jesus' father. So how do you trace the mother's genealogy when this was only done through the father's line? Luke says, this is the account of Jesus. This is the line of Jesus. But there was no legal way to say Mary, son of Heli, because she wasn't. So he says, Joseph, son of Heli, because he's tracing through the paternal line in the only way he can, through Mary. Jesus' first paternal ancestor, who wasn't God himself, is Mary's father, Jesus' grandfather. So that's the explanation and this had never been done before, and it would never be done again. The, the virgin birth was a, was a one-time miraculous occurrence. So Luke is doing the best within the system he has. So the simple answer to the question is, how do we trace Mary from the house and line of David? We do it through Luke's genealogy right here. Mary's father is Heli, and then we trace all the way back to Nathan, who is the son of David, who is the son of Jesse, right there in verse 32. Joseph's Joseph's genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 can also be traced back to David, but here is a really interesting, uh, interesting to me, maybe maybe not as interesting to every single listener out there, but I'm going to share it with you uh, because I found it interesting. In Matthew's gospel chapter 1, where we have this genealogy of Joseph, it traces back to Solomon, son of David, and then we have this really interesting ancestor. We have Jeconiah. Jeconiah shows up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 11. And this is significant because in the book of Jeremiah, the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 22, verse 24, there is a man named Coniah, which is the Hebrew version of the Greek name Jeconias. So the verse that we're concerned with in Jeremiah says, none of his descendants shall prosper, shall sit on the throne of David and rule anymore in Judah. So Jeconiah or Coniah in the Hebrew had a curse put on him by God because of what he had done, because of his behavior, because of his refusal to follow the Lord. None of his ancestors would be allowed to sit on the throne of David. This is a problem. This is a problem for Jesus as Messiah. He would not have been recognized or accepted as the one who came to rule, the one who came to save the Messiah of God's people if he was from the lineage of Jeconiah. He had been told by God that his descendants would not sit on the throne. But this is Joseph's lineage, not Mary's. So Jesus is freed from this injunction by God because he is descended from Mary, because he was fathered by the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden that is a problem no longer. So fascinating little historical tidbit that shows up in Jesus' Matthew genealogy. So two different genealogies written by two different authors and two different segments of scripture. It was very, very important to 
the the first Jewish audiences who came to know Jesus, that his lineage could be proved that he was from the house and line of David, because this had been told over and over again in the Old Testament, that their Messiah would come from the house and line of David, the first of the great kings. And it proves Jesus' kingship. It shows us how important it is um, that he, he was royal. And what does it mean that our royal king was born in a manger, that he chose to serve, that he chose to love, that he chose to humble himself despite this royal lineage. It's really, really interesting. Um, genealogies have a lot of have a lot of gold to mine in them. I think we're we live in the age now of of 23andMe and other tests where you send in some saliva in a tube and then you find out, oh, you're 23% German and 15% Irish and 12% Ethiopian and whatever it may be. But in Jesus' day, it was far more than a curiosity. Your lineage meant everything. It meant your claim on property. It meant your legal standing. And it meant it would show you whether or not you had any right to the priesthood or to the throne. It was incredibly significant, incredibly, incredibly important. So thank you for this question. I I learned a lot in researching it, and I was able to refresh some of my Greek and Hebrew, which I appreciate. Um, so yeah, there is the long answer to (laughs) what was not such a long question. Uh, but hit me up with your questions. If you have more, send them my way. I would love to dig into the scriptures with you or talk about anything that you'd like to talk about. Send me any kinds of questions at all. And I would love, love to chat about anything and everything with the people of PCOM. Send me your questions, Courtney.ellis at mypcom.com. I will be preaching this coming Sunday, uh, August, not April. Does anyone else still kind of feel stuck in April? I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's already July. It's almost August. I will be preaching this coming Sunday, August the 2nd. It's a communion Sunday, so just a reminder to get your elements ready for participating in our communion across the miles, across the airwaves. And I will be preaching on Matthew chapter 3. Let me read this for us this morning. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made out of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, that is today's podcast. Thank you again to the person who wrote in with the question for today's podcast. I so appreciate it, and I look forward to answering more more questions on the podcast to come. So hit me up, Courtney.ellis at mypcom.com. Get your communion elements ready for Sunday. We are so looking forward to meeting with you and gathering around the table with the sacrament. It is so, so good to be with the Lord who connects us across the neighborhoods and across the miles and across the years and across the seasons. God is so good, friends. And before I close, we are praying for our artists and our theater professionals and our performers this morning, but I also want to give just a word of encouragement to the parents out there, working parents, stay-at-home parents. And It's a hard season, and we, we just got the news last week that our Orange County schools will be starting online only. And I know for a lot of working parents, getting kids back to school was feeling like a lifeline. Like if we can just get to August, if we can make it to August, we can we can make it. And having that pulled away um, has been hard. It's been hard and discouraging. And um, I just want to encourage the parents out there that we are praying for you, that we are on your team, that we love you so much, that we see the good hard work that you are doing. We are praying for you. We are praying for your children. We are praying for you by name. And if there are ways that we can help partner with you, our children's ministries department and our pastors would love to help, to pray, to be a listening ear, to connect you with resources if you need them for anything at all, food, education, tutoring. We have a number of folks at PCOM who have said we would love to volunteer and help tutor virtually or distanced in person. You are not alone. We are with you and for you. God is with you and for you. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I look forward to being with you in two weeks. Next week, Jeff Given will bring us a wonderful podcast. I look forward all month to listening to Jeff's podcast. He is so wise and winsome, and it is just good to hear the gospel preached in, in different ways from different voices, especially in these days where we miss seeing each other face to face, although I do not miss how badly Jeff Given and our youth director, Matt Becerra, used to trounce me in Scrabble. We have a Scrabble board hanging on the office wall that's been dormant for several months now, and I miss playing with them, but I don't miss losing. Hear me, guys? I don't miss losing to you. All right. (laughs) Thanks, friends. Look forward to being with you in two weeks, and Jeff will be with you next week. Until then, take care, stay safe, and be well.